0: Okay, hopefully, fingers crossed, we've got Jamie on the line, and um, Jamie, of course, is a horticulture teacher at Swinburne University over in Wonturner. Um, he's a good mate, loves loves gardening, loves talking about gardening, so he's a perfect person to get on the show. We've had him on before. Jamie, can you hear me?
1: Most certainly. Oh, How are you?
0: Excellent, excellent, mate. Yep, really, really good on this uh, miserable, cold and wet morning. What's going on, mate? What's happening to our weather? I thought we were both going to get out in the garden today. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I was hoping you're going to call. I've been avoiding going out to the
0: veggie patch, doing a bit of weeding, mate. <laughs> told me. It's it's the time, isn't it? I mean, if your place is anything like my place, um, the weeds are just like growing like crazy, in the as the weather warms up a little bit, people don't notice that it is, but it is. The days are getting longer, and they like as Jackie French said in one of her books, the weeds are threatening to climb in through the windows and strangle us in our beds. So <laughs> it's uh, it's time to get onto it. And I'm, I've got oxalis everywhere in my backyard at the moment. It just it just sprung up and just went berserk i wish it was as edible as carrots i really do
1: <laughs> yeah well at least i know my my veggie patch the soil in it is um you know fantastic because they're, they're going really well they're the healthiest weeds probably in the neighborhood <laughs> I, I've, I've been to even prune, pruning my uh, grapevine and things i just haven't it's been so busy haven't had a chance to go out there but the sun's out now you're taking me away from it but that's okay
0: <laughs> uh, it won't be for long mate the weather's coming from me and i'm'm'm I'm, I'm, uh, I'm about uh 10 well, ca- 10 to think... your place and it's and it's windy and wet here
1: i think um i thank you as well that uh you know even though it, it can be frustrating with the uh the weeds i see that as an advantage if they've taken the nutrients from my wonderful veggie patch i'm gonna put it back in in some some other way so when i get out there i'm got a bit of crazy weeding to do but i've also been a bit lazy turning my compost pile so i'll have to bring the the outsides in and when i do that the, the weeds will go in there i've, I've got a little bit of uh, dynamic lifter that i'll i'll help with that wonderful compost lasagna mm-hmm.
0: yeah beautiful and when I get,
1: uh, pruning the, the grapevines that'll be the more carbon matter that i'll just chop up a bit finer and um uh boost that along a bit so yeah, I'll, I'll use it to my advantage.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's Ex- well, exactly. You know? The only problem I have with the oxalis is you, you can't really. You've got a hot compost. If you don't hot compost mm-hmm. it, you, you it'll just come back and, and because it grows from anything. But yeah. um, and I haven't got chooks at the moment. I'm getting some more chooks in a couple of weeks, and and they love it. So I just I just rip it out of the ground and just chuck it on there. In fact, I'm thinking about putting up some sort of little barrier system around the garden beds and just let them at the garden beds to turn it all over. But I can't just leave it open because otherwise I'll just either escape and and eat the veggies, or they'll just scratch the dirt so far it won't be in the garden bed anymore, so that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the only problem. So so are you, are, are you a fan of, uh, when you're weeding, are you a fan of chop and drop? Uh,
1: yes, yeah, look, I've, I've, lucky enough I don't have oxalis, I've just got a lot of leafy things uh, coming up, you know, leafy weeds, so I'm happy to, yeah, look, no, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of, you know, even just chop and drop and... Um, uh, you know, leaving them to rot away. I'm, I'm, you know, again, contemplating even. I want to use them in my, my compost pile. Yeah. But but even I, I am resting my vegetable patch because I have been pushing it a lot and, and it's not the biggest one. Yeah. You know, um, So I, I'm happy to even leave it rot away in there and then just, you know, turn it over and just boost all that wonderful little soil life in there. So
0: Yeah, and one of my beds that was just so overridden, I planted carrots in it before the winter came along and it was so it became so over overgrown with oxalis it just i could the carrots were smothered so i just yeah. got a bit of builders a bit of black uh, builders plastic and covered the whole bed i put did that back in march and i lifted the tarp the other day and there's virtually nothing nothing growing underneath it now so i think i've knocked off that current year's growth so hopefully yeah. when i plant some seedlings in there it'll um by the time the seed the the um the weeds start to come back again. Um, the ma- the major plants, all the veggies, will, will outperform them anyway. So, yeah. um, so yeah, what like sort of to... so what sort of techniques you use for weeding? I mean, if, do you just are you just pulling them out? Are You're you digging them out. What's your what's your strategy for?
1: Yeah, well, look, uh, lucky enough. Like like I said, I don't step over my vegetable patch, so it's all nice and fluffy. So they do come out easy. It's it's um, unfortunately, <laughs> well, I have to change my vegetable patches. I've got a long um, brick wall there. Uh, and it's cracked and things, and where I've got the kaikuyu grass, my grass, you know, it survives everything. But some of these, that rhizome, the roots have actually got under there and spread under. So I've really got to make sure I dig down and pull that up. But, right. but lucky enough, like just one of those little forks, the, the gardening forks is enough to make sure if anything has a tap root, I yep. get that out. But, well, you know, lucky enough, if you don't step over your soil and, and compact it, um, most of them quick-fibrous roots, you know, they want to push out, grow, go to seed. And, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but it's good to hear using the black plastic, mate. You know, these days, encouraging people to find other techniques, that integrated management, instead yep. of spraying, reaching for the chemicals, black plastic, <clears throat> anything that's got, you know, like if it's got any fungal spores on it or, or, or even pests can overwinter on certain weeds. <clears throat> waiting for all of the nice vegetables to come up, that's like plastic wrapping it in and that and, and even now the sun's out a bit, even on a you know, fairly decent warm day, um, we'll start knocking them off. Um it it's just too easy to reach for chemicals and if you're going to that far of looking after the soil and weeding it, then you know, why pump chemicals on there? So
0: yeah, although I must have, I must admit I'm not a I'm not a total purist. There are a couple of a couple of really um uh, pernicious weeds or sometimes if i've got runners runner grasses of different kinds coming in i'll um i'll spot spray them with, with with a little bit of glyphosate and glyphosate sorry um which to the horror of some of my friends um but i mean i've i've used i reckon i've used less than a less than a litre over the last five years so yeah. it's not so it's not like i'm just broad leaf spraying or anything and i'll also do um uh in corners of uh, the fences where i can't get in there easily to to um to mow or to, or to trim grass that, on the bits yeah. of grass that I have. But, but yeah, I, I agree. It's, 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 apart from that, it's no chemicals. The other thing I have been interested in recently is uh, looking at the steam weeding that they've been doing and also the flame weeding. So that's that's they use that on commercial um, farms and stuff, quite a lot flame yeah. weeders. And they're starting to come down into smaller and smaller units, I've noticed, when I've been looking at YouTube videos. Have you had so, any any yeah. um, experience with those?
1: Absolutely, we're actually looking at Swinburne of getting, you know, because you're right, they're getting smaller, um, and you know, they're very easy to use. Mm-hmm. And safe. people think about, you know, flames and things like that. As long as you're not on a you know forty degree day out there blasting away or <laughs> high winds and things, but they're actually very, yeah, they're actually quite efficient. Even the boiling water—you've <laughs> you've, you've just boiled the kettle—and yep, done that. Left. Um, yep. Go out there, it's, yeah. And you're right; they are getting smaller, and, and the prices are coming down. So, if, you, if you're not happy about using chemicals, I, I will say, uh, look, I, I agree that if you are careful using chemicals, um, you know, everyone's, you know, going a bit crazy about glyphosate at the moment. Mm-hmm. But um, it comes down to safe, uh, safe use. There's more carcinogenics. Putting your head over the fire, you know, the smoke
0: yeah,
1: um, yeah. in the barbecue, and glyphosate, it really comes down to good practice. If you use it wearing good safety gear, you'll be all right.
0: Yeah, exactly. So we've, got more yeah. Chemi-
1: we've got more hard chemicals in our laundry, With I'm sure people, you know, have got um, eucalyptus oil in their, in their cabinets. Yeah, that's the poison. Yep. Um, so it, it, it comes down to safe use. And if you use it, as you said, um, maybe a bit time for that um, if you can get out there and get some of these ones that can become a bit more invasive,
0: then so be it. Yeah, and like I said, I I, I, I deliberately took that bed out of, I, even though I'd spent time, I'd planted carrots and I'd planted other things in it, and they, they weren't just they were going to grow. And so I thought, no, it's, there's no point. I might as well take that bed out of production. And I'm lucky enough that I've got a, a large area that I've, that I've got under, under uh, production because I've got about the equivalent of about 10 uh, 2.4 by 1.2 metre beds um, for uh, for veggies and stuff, so so I'm I'm uh, I'm sort of in a very very nice position to be able to just take a complete bed out of production for six months and not, not worry about it. So yeah, yeah. and if you've got that if you've got that uh, possibility, that's that's great. And the other thing, of course, is I didn't have any problems for 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 a long long time in those veggie beds because I built them up with thick cardboard and thick mulch,
1: yeah, and
0: so yeah. they just couldn't come up to the surface. And it was only through pulling up other um, because I don't till it either, so I don't dig it over anything, uh, and I just top dress it with a bit of, with a layer of compost. And so when I pull veggies out like you, it's just all soft and and beautifully loose friable soil. But of course, the act of pulling up root vegetables and stuff will sometimes bring some of the corms or seeds to the surface, yeah, or they well, get blown in. You know, so yeah, um, and so and I wasn't on top of it. Now, it didn't sort of you know it was colder weather and i was away and this and that and excuse after excuse after excuse <laughs> um i'll get around to it one day and i looked out one day and i went oh no what have i done or what haven't i done so and that's the other thing with the weeding is what i've been trying to do and, and it's successful really successful mm-hmm. is get on stay on top of them when you walk out in your garden if you see one pull it out yeah even yeah. if you do just drop it on the ground just pull it out or if you've got a compost bin there um just carry a little tote bag with you or something or just you know pull it out and yeah. pop it in. I remember seeing a farm, they, uh, over in the US, they had a little video of, a, of one of those small, small micro sort of farms. And when they say small, this thing was about, I don't know, three acres or something, four acres. So it wasn't small, small. Um, so about you know, what, eight, 10, 10 blocks, the equivalent of 10 house blocks or 12 house blocks. And uh, they had a policy. They had virtually no weeds on the property because they had an a policy written into their into their work practices, if you see a weed, no matter what your job is, if you see a weed, you stop and you pull that weed out. All right?
1: <laughs> I like that, it. Yeah.
0: And so, over a period of two years, they wiped out virtually every weed in the in the thing. And now their weeding takes them half an hour a week, you know, because so, mm. because they just and you don't notice it. Then you walk down, oh, there's a weed, lift it out. There's a weed, lift it out. And at first, they said productivity dropped because everyone was spending all their time weeding. But, yeah. but suddenly, when they got that stuff out and the seed bank started to decrease, then it yeah, and that's yeah, other, look, that, yeah and that's the other part of weeding, isn't it? Not don't let them flower.
1: Yes. Well, look, I I, I think it's as he said, getting on top. It, it can be frustrating when you know a lot of things get in the way of your your wonderful veggie patch, and, and the weeds start cropping up there. But um, importantly, as he said. It, to Get outside and do it. it, it's healthy. Um, don't look at it as a problem that you that there are weeds there before they go to flower. I think that's the key point. Is even if you don't have a lot of time to weed out there, racing around uh, when I used to do a lot of the the uh bush vegetation work as well, was we were targeting at certain weeds. is something that um we didn't have the time to do a lot of weeding was rip the flower heads off it, so yep, um, yep,
0: I've done that before too, backing it off. So,
1: yep. I think that. To, to, to look at them like that as, well, they're taking nutrients away from, you know, your, your desirable veggie patch, but you can put put that back in in that closed circuit there. If you've got a compost pile, um, turn it over. You know, as I said, I, I, I don't have a farm near me to grab some raw chicken manure and things, but I've yep. got a lifter and I make that, you know, in the carbon matter, I make a lasagna compost pile and yep. and I put it back in Or as you said, if your time for, um, it, drop it. I think I said to you a while ago when I first bought this place, um, the veggie patch when I got all the huge rock mulch out of the way, yep. someone had clearly who first owned the home had made a veggie patch. So I thought I'll build this up for the first couple of years before I actually planting it. and I ended up doing like about a oh, hundred 200 mil sort of deck. Uh, let's say, 150 or so trench, and I just started hand weeding around, dropping it in there, yep. you know, and did the same process as I just did. I made sure the carbon matter I chopped up Yep, so fine so that microbial life could, could break that down, and I just covered it over, and then that following year, I started planting in it. But, you know, you can use it, the weed against itself because there's nutrients in there.
0: Yeah, right? exactly, yeah. Well, I, I often, with the weeds and everything, as long as I don't have seed heads on them, when I've been doing a new, like the same as you, doing a new bed, I pull all the weeds up that are around the place, and I drop them down on top of the cardboard, and then I top it up with the mulch and the and the compost and everything, and that yeah. rots in, rots back in, and, and actually improves the soil again.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I was good to hear that you, again. Look, um, we we see it as um, recycle waste the, the cardboard, but um, you know, a, again, that take the sticky tape off it. Yeah, exactly. Not, but yeah. that car, the cardboard technique, even if you don't want to have a you know crushed rock path or paving. To put the cardboard down and then even mulch over the top, um, you're stopping compaction around your veggie patch, um, you're building new soil if you want to shift your bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I used to use that as well when I was doing softscape where clients didn't want a whole heap of mulch, but it was to con- you know, convince them, putting cardboard down, I'd do what I could to, to you know, get rid of the weed, put the cardboard down put that fine film of, of, of mulch to hold the cardboard down and you know, and then select ground covers that would, would grow over that, yep. and, in, and they're, they're out competing and suppressing the, the weeds to come up. The, the cardboard is fantastic. You, mm. you really do, um, it, it, even for your vegetables.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's you know, what I did, like yeah.
1: You it around that, you're planting in between it. It's it, 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 you know, taken that sort of competition away from you know your, your vegetables, so yeah, um, it-
0: and the other thing with cardboard that a lot of people don't realise is that worms love cardboard, they, because the cardboard's actually glued together with a with a with a, um, an organic glue anyway. And But worms absolutely love cardboard. In fact, to start off worm farms, I often suggest you tear up bits of corrugated cardboard and put it into the worm yeah. farms because the worms absolutely love the glues and the paper and everything that's in the cardboard and they thrive on it. So putting the yeah. cardboard down provides this layer which is perfect for worms and so they'll come from everywhere to, and, then, and then they'll stay there because if you keep the soil in good condition, they'll keep, they'll keep coming in and eating all the, all, the, uh, all the organic material and producing even more organic material.
1: That must uh, the word must have got around then, mate. Because I remember renting a place some years ago where um, maybe the snails found out about it. Make nah. my letterbox and just take uh, uh, my 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 envelope. Oh, uh, we've got a brick blue.
0: Yep, we've got a brick a brick um, <laughs> uh, thing for a uh, 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 what do you call it? Mailbox, and we have to be vigilant in getting the mail out of that because. Snails get in there and eat the, eat the envelopes and eat the you know eat, eat the bills. I wish they'd pay the bills before they ate them, but you know, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, we've, we've been a couple of times. Where we've got mail in there, and you open it up, and and there's big <laughs> chunks taken out of the out of the paper. It's just like, oh, okay. Is that a, is that a three three hundred or a two hundred? I've got to pay. You know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to throw a question at you right now. I'm just yep. looking at my lime tree, and I've cut it back uh, very heavily uh, a couple of times. Um, unfortunately. I don't know where, maybe in the last place i brought it before I planted it in my garden
0: here. Mm.
1: It must have um, picked up a bit of citrus gall wasp. Oh, okay. Is it something that horticulturists, if you're in the industry doing work around in the gardens of people, you hear it every year about this time. What are those swollen lumps on the, the yep. stems there? Yep. Have you cut yours out yet and burnt it or put it in black plastic bags? I,
0: I haven't. <laughs> uh, I've done a couple of times I've cut them out and burnt them. Um but I've got a neighbour next door. Well, the house next door is only semi-occupied at the moment, it has been for a few months as the owners are changing over and everything. So the lemon tree next door is a brilliant lemon tree, but it hasn't been pruned or looked after for years and years. So it still produces massive amounts of lemons, but it's covered in gall wasp. And so whatever I do on my trees is going to be is going to be sort of pointless for the ones next door. What you can do is you can, uh, if you've got uh, at the right screen, is you can cover your you have citrus trees for the for the, when the gore wasp breeding season is on to stop them getting infected during that time that's one way of doing it if you if you had a really heavily infested one i i pull them out if i see big ones i do but yeah the other thing i think is if you've got any citrus trees in the area more and more these days you you're going to get gore wasp problems it seems to be getting more prevalent and yeah. i don't know whether it's because the because the the su- early summers are getting more Humid, or it's they're having milder winters, or whatever. But I think if we get milder winters, there's more around because they don't die off during winter. Yeah. Um, but the other thing you can do is, um, I found is is um, is just keep every, keep the tree really healthy, and, and it'll it'll survive the gall cool wasp anyway.
1: Well, I think that's why uh, I'm maybe right right over the other side of the fence, that the, my neighbours do have a citrus tree, and I don't know how much they you know if they're out there uh, either cutting off these branches and things, and maybe. It's yeah. come from there, but uh, yeah, it, I, I think it, it's something, I guess annoys every gardener if they're, if they're out there doing the work, and uh, it comes around every year. It's the same conversation. Yeah. But as you said, if you're out there, you're checking anything. Uh, you know, anything on that? those new stems and things that look swollen, you just clip it off. I, look, yeah, I
0: if it's if if short use. stems and you can get get at it straight away and clip it off, then it won't affect your tree and you've yeah. you've actually decimated the population around your immediate area. But unless your neighbours are doing the same thing, it's really, really difficult. It's a bit like coddling moth for apples. If you've got neighbours even like you know half a kilometre away who have apples and they're not looking after them, they'll breed up coddling moth numbers and they'll come and attack your apples. So you've got to maintain a, a rigour around that, either putting the, the bark... Uh, the um, The bands around the tree to to trap the grubs on their way down to the ground, or, you know, I have less problems these these days when I've got chooks because they get out around the trees, dig them up, yeah, and and eat them and stuff. So, but even so, I still have problems, and I've got, I'm I'm developing quite a large apple little apple orchard now. I think I've got fourteen different varieties of apples now, so. Um, including a couple that uh, that that uh, your mate Mike um, taught me how to graft. So um, uh, sorry, I, yeah, yeah, I grafted a few. I grafted six, and all six struck. One cut, subsequently died because it got damaged. I gave one to a friend, so I had, I've still got four there in pots that have all taken off. So I was really pleased with that. But okay. I also did a few others here and there. So yeah, it was, it's always a good te- good thing to learn new techniques. So yeah, uh, uh, look, If you haven't if you
1: haven't attacked it before, a bit of grafting, you know it. it, it it's not a hard process, and if uh, look, I remember growing up, we had this. Oh, it was <laughs> it was the most hardest apple tree I think on the street. It 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 come from my my dad dad showing him grafting, and we had about four varieties on there. You know, over time we'd lost some, and um, even from that that root stock growing up, I, you know, I never saw. And never saw anything attack it. It was, you know, yeah. it was real hardy uh, rootstock uh, come from that. And that's the biggest thing that, you know, if you're grasping, um, you know, pick a good hardy rootstock. And, and, and it's not a hard process to graft. And you can get more on there. Same with your citrus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can get more on there if, if you are space poor. you know, where you you don't have a lot of room. You... you Give
0: it a go. Yeah, oh, well, that's what I said, and it's like it's like uh, striking cuttings. It's a numbers game in some ways, right? Mm. Um, it's like if, if you know. So I did six grafts, and I was lucky that all six struck. But I did a whole lot of practice grafts back back in the workshop at, at um, Swinburne uh, with Mike, and mm. um, and I had to try several times before he looked at it and said, "Yeah, that's pretty good." Because before, that he's yeah. going, "No, nah, that's rubbish," right? Yeah. Try this way, do this, because I'm left handed as well, and I didn't realise I had a right handed knife. And so that didn't help. Um, so I, I modified my technique to actually, and then I started getting. He goes, "Yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly what you yeah. do." So yeah. I did. I did two there with well, with he was watching me, and I did yeah. another four at home, and uh, and they all and they all took. Yeah. So uh, uh, and I think the one that broke was one that I didn't do properly because I was doing yeah. the you know, standard, you know, whip and tail, whatever it's called, yeah. and I hadn't made the, the little groove, so they were just sitting next to each other when I taped them up. Yeah. And so they were weak; they actually weren't in locked in locked in place. So, but anyway, so yeah, and I tried another graft. I, I know I had another graft. I tried. I tried it in situ, and that didn't work. So, well, but I'm lucky. I've got a, a Granny Smith tree, and apparently, according to, according to the mic, it was you know, most of the apples are grafted onto a lot of them are grafted onto that um, the same root stock that the, the, the Granny Smiths are. Yep. Or, you know, so I think I've got M102 stock or something coming up. Yep. But it's suck- suckering up everywhere. So I've actually got rootstock popping up so yes. I'm, I'm digging that I'm digging that out of the ground and that can be my rootstock for doing you know for grafting some of the other apples and stuff and, fantastic yeah and, and, yeah
1: kind yeah. the thing is is matching up what you're grafting onto if you can get as close to size yeah. that you're grafting onto but if it's a little bit out as long as you've got one of that those edges around there matching up with that cambium layer mm-hmm. a little over. yeah like, you're, yeah you're, 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 you know if it's not too perfect the the the, the that's actually you're grafting
0: yeah yeah and the, and the cuttings the same as the look cuttings are surprisingly simple i mean again I, I tell people it's a numbers game there's a couple of little techniques you can do to maximize your chances but you know if you're going to get a strike rate of one in ten and you want two plants well put in 20 cuttings yep. and then you'll get two or three that strike you know i had one yep. guy tell me oh look i tried cuttings and they didn't work and i said well how many did you put in he goes oh two i said no no <laughs> put in 20 or 30 goes oh that seems like a lot of work i said it's not a lot of work because all you're doing is you're just standing there for an extra two minutes cutting 20 pieces instead of two and shoving them into the pot. And whichever ones turn in, have leaves growing on them next year, they're the ones you use. And, yeah. if, and if you get 10%, if you want a two and you've got 10% strike rate and you put in 50, you've got five, pick the best two and then give three away. You know what I've actually found, Mike? Uh,
1: like, I love my natives. I'm a native and, yep. you know, enthusiast, but I have also work in there i do like that that old english cottage style garden yeah yep. Uh, and a lot of some of those varieties are you know really good old classic flowering ones actually propagate very easy i'm actually yeah. looking at it now i've got a couple of smaller dwarf varieties of budlears mm-hmm. yes i've got the couple of different varieties of lavenders flower you know i get flowering throughout the year um you know we, we were talking about you know um controlling weeds, you know, even in pests, that integrated management these days. Yep. I have never had to pick up some pest control um, chemical because I've got actually so much diversity around. Yep. Uh, things constantly flowering for the whole year, um, and I've actually got some coriander there. I've been picking away at it, but I can see it's actually got some flowers things on it now. The amount that some of these old classic plants and herds and things attract predatory bugs,
0: yeah, exactly. Uh, so you know you're
1: saying taking cuttings. <clears throat> some of these classic these Bud lears, the, the salviers, they they attract, you know, incredible amounts of predatory bugs and and whatnot for them that um <clears throat> very easy you said, throw in twenty cuttings, yep. five survive. You've just added to that diversity that, you know, and, 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 and getting to know who's growing what around the neighborhood <laughs> allows you to build on
0: exactly your own know,
1: yeah. times and diversity. And, and even, you know, again, my backyard, I'm trying to grow as much as I can out of there. Um, so in one spot, yes, I do have a lot of range of different flowering things, but I've also got stuff growing in larger pots. Um, when those vegetables through spring and summer are really pushing a lot of that, that flow, yep. um, I have to have things in pots and I just slide them around as well to attract those predatory bugs. Well, that's a good Nothing idea. Yeah. So there are ways around to have diversity close to your vegetables. If you if you don't want to have something permanently growing, you know, in your vegetable patch or close, you put things in pots. And you find, like I said, a lot of those really good um, predatory-attracting um, plants, um, there is a lot of those old classics are very easy to propagate. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, which is why they're old classics. Yeah. <laughs> Because if they're hard, if they're hard to propagate, people wouldn't have grown them.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, listen, we might we might stop uh, have a track, I reckon. And have you can, you hang around for another
1: ten minutes or so. Yeah, most certainly Give me yeah. another chance for a coffee, mate, and contemplate these weeds.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll have a we'll have a track. Um, you're with uh, Mike and Jamie on the Good Earth. Uh, having a chat about weeds and propagation and all sorts of things, gardening-related, and maybe one or two things that weren't. We'll play uh, a track or two, and when we come back in a couple of minutes, we'll wrap up this uh, wonderful show. So uh, You're on the Good Earth with Mike O'Connell and Jamie. Let's have a go at something like this button here, Mr Music. And welcome back to 94.1 FM 3WBC with Mike O'Connell on the Good Earth. We've got Bricks and Water coming up soon too, so that'll be another fun show. Wait, I tell you what, for a community radio station, we do pretty well. We, we punch well above our weight. We've got the footy on Saturdays We've during the season. We've got fabulous shows on Saturday mornings. What else could you ask for? The Voice of the Near East. Why don't you get involved yourself too? You can, you know. You can even get us on the interwebs if you want to. Um, get on to www.3wbc.com dot and you can stream us live live baby live we've got jamie on the phone still i hope you're still there jamie i am
1: hanging yeah. in
0: excellent mate excellent we've got about five minutes uh, before we have to wrap up this wonderful wonderful thing that is our show I'm saying it's our show now. Did you notice that? I'm going to suck you into the black <laughs> hole that is the good earth. Right. <laughs> and um, we're talking about all things. We start off talking about weeding, and we just sort of rambled on. So in five minutes, mate, I'm going to put you on the spot now. So mm-hmm. in five minutes, what do you reckon are the most important things that we should be looking at out in our gardens now? Ornamental, veggies, everything.
1: Um, I think it's that soil preparation, moving any weeds out of the way that could be competing for the same things your vegetables are. Don't forget, through winter, when you think nothing's alive moving around, these pests will overwinter on these weeds. So before you start planting, remove those weeds. Don't panic. They're not problems. They are problems but we, <laughs> to a certain degree, but we can use those weeds against themselves. They've taken those nutrients, compost it down. As you said, pick it, drop it, put it back into the soil. Um, you know, get things prepared for a big growing season. More, really importantly is any weeds that are going to compete against those vegetables, take them away. It'll stop any pests overwintering and jumping onto your goodies.
0: Excellent. And what about? Um, you got any suggestions for for ornamental plants around this time of year? Because I know you're a fan. Of, or natives? What's the What's the best natives and stuff around that? that you um, like at the moment,
1: look, I, I'm just looking at my garden. Some of the is there. I've got some beautiful flowers on it. Uh, you know, again. Um, some of these flowers uh, can keep uh, the birds and these predatory bugs hanging around your garden. I'm looking at my grevilleas my there um, in flower. There I was good witness. Yep. Um, you know, a good range of them, you know, flowering through, through winter or now coming alive. So I think grevilleas are spectacular. <clears throat> some of the lipospernums, I'd have to say, if you're interested in the in natives, um, really the lipospernums I've got in there uh, when they start flowering, they really bring in those pollinators. I have to say that is an absolute winner and that's something I'm actually going to put out the back. Just a nice couple of small growing Uh But, um, yeah, when, when they start flowering, they really bring in those pollinators.
0: And you were saying before you're giving some of your veggie beds a bit of a respite, are you growing anything at all at the moment?
1: Uh, yes, and funny enough, the, the most of it just come up by itself. I've, I've oh, got, I
0: love uh, volunteer plants. Yeah. <laughs>
1: the coriander i I had um you know the seeds i'd um propagated them put them in there and i let i let the basil the coriander come up by itself now because that's got generations coming over that it's used to where it's been planted the soil its conditions here silverbeet that's been growing too i think it's been growing since the dinosaur era (laughs) It's just battling on um and i forgot about that i had potatoes in one spot so <laughs> the potatoes are growing. Um, yeah, I had that too. Of those,
0: I've got no. I've actually got some purple, some sapphire potatoes that are growing that I forgot oh, I put fantastic. in. so yes, that's even better.
1: That's a bit of a surprise, you know. Like really, yeah, I completely forgot about it. Honestly, I completely forgot. Um, and I've noticed beetroot punching through as oh. well. I hadn't picked I out have, all my mint.
0: I put in. I put in some beetroot, and then all these other self-seeded another bed. I've got something like five hundred beetroot growing at the moment. I think <laughs> it's just everywhere. Okay. it's like a weed. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You take gold on that one. I, I'm annoyed I've got it all. My potatoes and the beetroot, they're, they're swamping an area. Yep. Um, but unfortunately, I had mint growing on the side there.
0: You're telling and me I'm that mint. they they outperformed the mint. Is that what you're telling me? That uh, actually...
1: Well, at the moment, it's a battle. And, and Wow. And like at the front with my natives and things, I plant and things and now it's just a fight for foliage space, and I like that. <laughs> but in my vegetable patch, I'm not happy I ca- I didn't get you. You know, you talk about when you see it pick it out, I had let some of the mint still come back. I thought oh, that will yeah, be a yeah. But now it is a wonderful uh, little area of carpeted uh, the mint. You've got beetroot punching up through that. You've got the, the, the potatoes there, the foliage drooping all over the place. But you know what? Yeah, I'll get to that. When I, when I pick everything up, I'll do a good clean of that. But pretty much yep. my, everything has come up by itself now. The coriander, the, the you know, well, basil's not there now, but um, that'll come up by itself. Chives, the, the silver beet, I'm picking away at that. <clears throat> and, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's not as productive as I'd like this time of year, through you know, through winter and this time of year. Yep. But I've had to rest it because, you know, again, I don't have a big area to grow. So, yeah, in some ways it, it, it's resting, but I'm still getting some food from it.
0: Awesome. That's what we want to hear, yeah. Getting enjoyment and food out of your garden, what, what, what more could you want, yeah?
1: I, th- I think, you know, this is just quickly, the, as I said, the, the weeds, people see them as a problem. Um, they can be. Get on top of it. You know, they've taken nutrients out, <clears throat> put that in, you know, talk about that, that compost lasagna pile. If you've got grass clippings, you, you sprinkle that put your weeds on, put a bit of chook food or dynamic lifter or something, chop up, I'm looking at my lime trees, I'm doing a bit of getting ready for spring. Um, The biggest thing is not allowing some of those fruiting trees, your mandarins have got my citrus things, not crowding the centre, a nice bar shape. And and even if you get out there and prune some of the branches that that are growing into the centre, you just open up that airflow. It, it, It reduces hiding spots for pests. But, again, chop that up, so that, that bigger carbon matter, so it breaks down a bit quicker, and that you just keep layering. I think, uh, uh, some, you know, again, I've just, it's trial and error with compost piles, um, but if you get that right formula, um, you're putting everything you've, you've, you've chopped, cleaned, weeded back in again.
0: Yep. No, good advice, mate, good advice. Hey, listen, we're going to have to wrap it up because I can hear Jethro Toll appearing in the background. And um, that's our signature tune to leave the show. Oh look, thanks very mate, thanks very mate, much. No, thanks very much, mate. I'll get it right eventually uh, this morning for for, for, uh, for calling in and uh, having a chat with us. I hope we can do it again very very soon. Uh, it was, uh, and I'll see you during the week, no doubt. And yeah. we can uh, we can maybe plan up what we want to talk about next time. But uh, uh, thanks very much, Jamie, for all your help. That's Jamie from the horticulture department at Swinburne. And if you're thinking about doing horticulture and everything, Swinburne's a great place to do it. By the way, there's a free ad for Swinburne. Um, and it's not just because I work there. Um, but no, They've got a great team of people over there. You sell plants and stuff too, so they can get down there occasionally and, and have a look around at that safe. We'll see you next week, Jamie. I'll uh, let you go right now, and uh, I'll talk to you during the week, mate. Catch you All right, then. Thank you. All right, bye for now, folks.